When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky LeBlue, the associate editor in Virginia Tech football, beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL Podcast. We're just going to have one this week because it's a little bit more of a calmer week around here at the TSL offices, but that doesn't mean that it wasn't an important week for Virginia Tech athletics. Uh, As always, I'm joined by my bosses and cohorts here at TSL, Will Stewart and Chris Coleman. Guys, um, Virginia Tech upset UVA this week, and I, I don't think any of us expected Tech to win that game, and I know one person in particular did not expect this to happen. <laughs> that would be the gentleman sitting across from me at the desk here, um, who may or may not have told the TSL listeners to make other plans. Is that is that is that what you were telling everybody? He said, "Don't be afraid to make other plans. <laughs> yes, <laughs> direct you, them to do so." You are confusing my expectations for the game with the time honor tradition of Tech sideline reverse mojo. <laughs> Where you you say things like, ah, we're not going to win. We don't have a chance. You know, you guys should just make other plans. And you thereby build up goodwill out in the karmic (laughs) ether of the world. Sounds like a bunch of nonsense. (laughs) But all all, all kidding aside, no, I didn't think Tech was going to win. But, you know, the closer it gets to game time, um, and and I wrote this in my article yesterday, uh, you know, everything was just lining up for UVA. Yeah. Was this this expectation that they were going to win and game day was showing up and Augie or whatever his name was made the half-court shot during that game like the day. third in a row that they've That's had? That's what they said. The, 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 three times they've been, the three times they've been to UVA for game day, some, some student has made a half-court shot for 10000 bucks. Must be nice. Well, uh, maybe they should have been in the lineup instead of Kyle yeah. Guy. Oh, uh, that guy man. Didn't shoot for anything. <laughs> so, you know uh, – I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't go so far as to say UVA choked, uh, because I, I just don't like to say that about athletes. You know, I, I think that's extremely insulting. Um, but they definitely did not play their best game, and some of that was due to Virginia Tech's defense. Uh, you know, but I've, I've, I wrote yesterday, I've seen highlights of Kyle Guy and Ty Jerome, the shots that they missed Saturday. I've seen highlights of those guys making those shots. Oh yeah. You know, so it, it almost just lining up too neatly and too cleanly and. And, you know, whenever that happens, I, I don't know how fans of other schools feel. I don't know how fans of schools that, that suck all the time or are great all the time feel. But Virginia Tech, where you're kind of in the middle and you got some great wins and some painful losses, when stuff starts to line up like that, you get a little nervous. Like, uh, this is all too, you know, copacetic or whatever. So from that standpoint, I'm not surprised that Tech won. Uh, the, probably the, the question I fielded the most on Friday and Saturday from – Random people, friends, texting me, <laughs> my own dad. How bad are they going to beat us on Saturday? Was the question. Like, Tech fans did not, at least the ones I know, did not think we were, Virginia Tech had a chance that, to win that game. And that pessimism was somewhat warranted going into the game. You know, the person I get season tickets with for football didn't even watch the game. She's a big Tech sports fan. Didn't even watch it. Texted her after the game. I said, that was a big win. We beat UVA? <laughs> Question mark. I mean, I mean, and, and that, that's how much the fan base was expe- like. Some they didn't even watch it because 
they didn't think we had a chance to win for some people. Saturday night, right, yeah. Right, right. Well, you know what that reminds me of is uh, when I was living in after I graduated in '87, I was living in Charlottesville, and forgive me, I don't remember what year this was, but uh, Virginia Tech was playing Florida State in football in Tallahassee, and I think FSU was number one or close to it, and Virginia Tech was in the middle of their six and five, six four yeah. and one years. They were good, but not great. Not quite, and, yeah. And and I used to listen to all the games on the radio back then. I didn't bother to listen to that one. And a buddy <laughs> called me up like, uh, I don't know, late second quarter, early third quarter, said, you listen to the game? I said, no. He goes, Tex went in 21 to three. <laughs> so I, I get it. You know, you're yeah. like, yeah, they're not going to win. And then, of course, I tune in and they go on to you know, commit yeah. a few critical fumbles and lose the football game. Right. Uh, but I get that. I remember being like that. Yeah. Well, you know, it's basketball, though. And that's my thing. I mean, yeah. you've always got a chance to win a basketball game. Uh, basketball, there's so much randomness involved, and I actually felt decent about Tech's chances. I wouldn't have picked them to win the game. You but, were definitely the most optimistic person I mean, I mean, that I've seen the, about that game. Tech plays better under Buzz Williams as the underdog. They do. Um, UVA had to lose at some point. I mean, they're not, you're not. Gonna, it was bound to happen. I at mean, some time. Jay Bill is saying it would have been an upset if, if UVA if they didn't, didn't run the table. Are you serious? <laughs> uh, I mean. It would be an upset if they did run the table against that brutal ACC schedule. Yeah. They might lose tonight. All right, they lost to Virginia Tech, moved up to the number one team, number one spot in, in the AP poll, and now they got to go play at Miami, where they're they're one and seven all time at Miami. Wow, that's not good. I believe according to David Teal on, on Twitter, I think I saw. I think it was David Teal. Teal's usually but right about that. stuff. David <laughs> Teal is usually right about that stuff. So uh, usually right about everything. So yeah, they might actually might lose two in a row. Yeah, and and if they do, it doesn't mean they're any worse than people thought they were a week ago it's just the acc basketball man it's hard it's hard and, I, and I, I thought some of jay billis's comments were kind of like and i told you so you know when they weren't making their shots kyle guy was five of 21 they mm-hmm. shot something like 11 of 38 or 39 from three-point range and he was kind of like see i told you their defense is always good but you know if they're not making their shots and i'm thinking well Dude, that applies to everybody. If you're not making, if you're going 11 38 from three point range, you're probably going to lose. Yeah, right. Yeah. Doesn't yeah. matter if you're UVA if, or somebody else. If you have to take 38 three pointers, <laughs> it means you're probably going to lose because you can't get the ball inside. And yeah. That's what, that's where Virginia Tech was outstanding uh, on Saturday night is, is UVA could not get the basketball inside into the paint. I mean, Buzz Williams talks about paint touches and how important they are uh, because getting the ball in, into the paint kind of opens up yeah, everything. Yeah, definitely. And UVA just couldn't get the ball into the paint. And, and, I think that that's probably to me maybe the biggest surprise that Tech hasn't been good defensively the last couple of years because Buzz teaches paint touch paint touches on offense so much. I mean, it's an integral part of the offense. It is the key part yeah, of Virginia is. Tech's yeah. offense, honestly. But yet, it doesn't seem like the players understand that the same thing applies defensively. If you <laughs> deny the ball into the paint. That opposing offense is really going to struggle, but you've seen the last couple couple of games, Tech has really stepped it up on the on the defensive end as far as denying the basketball and things like and, that. And you know, Buzz has talked about in the last uh, few days, in, in preceding and in, in after the UVA game, how they basically stopped practicing yeah. half court offense. Yeah, they basically said, "All right, guys, we're just going to go defense the whole way." They benched one of their leading scorers, Ahmed Hill, and he played, I believe, under ten minutes against UVA. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Wilson has been inserted into the starting lineup and he's playing 20 plus minutes a night. Buzz has definitely made a shift in his, um, his emphasis on what he wants his team to do. 
and it looks like it's making a big difference. And, and you almost wonder you know, what took so long for this to happen. Yeah, you know, I think having another point guard on the court kind of helps Justin Robinson to a certain extent. Yeah, it, obvi- it obviously it helps the team defensively. Uh, I think it helps with turnovers having having an extra ball handler yeah. out there. So, and and honestly. You know, obviously Tech wasn't going to score a bunch of points against against UVA, but Devin Wilson played 24 minutes against NC State, and Tech still scored 85 points. Yeah, his his presence on the floor doesn't hinder your ability to score that much. I, I don't it, think it, it, it does lessens either. your ceiling offensively. Right. But Tech is so good offensively that you can still put up 80. Right, and I think if Tech can hold the opposing teams to 75 points, they have a really good chance to win yeah. the game. Obviously not against a team like UVA, who there's yeah. so few possessions. Or maybe Syracuse. Or maybe Syracuse, like right, right. But uh, your you're, you're average ACC team that will, that will play over 70 possessions in a game, 70 to 75 possessions, if you score 75 points, you know, or excuse me, if you hold the other team to 75 points, and I think Virginia Tech has a really good chance to win. Well, go ahead. So, so regarding defending the paint, um, you know, it's uh, one of the articles we ought to do on TSL is we ought to analyze points in the paint um, because Virginia Tech will surprise you. Yeah. They'll they'll play a team that has some good interior players, and Virginia Tech will still outscore them in the paint. Mm-hmm. And one of the criticisms of, of Buzz's defense is that it leaves three point shooters open. Guys get hot who usually don't do jack. You know, the Chapman kid <laughs> Chapman kid for Boston College yeah. is an example. You know, he lit Tech up last year. He made nine three-pointers in a game. Um, Didn't you know, he drop 30 in that game? I think Probably. so, yeah. I think it was 30 with nine <laughs> three-pointers. So, you know, there's a criticism that Virginia Tech doesn't defend the three very well. And UVA had their opportunities from three-point range. Right. Um, and for those of you who, you know, aren't that closely dialed in, you know, when, when Buzz uh, – left Marquette to come to Virginia Tech. One of the resources I used to read about him was a, was a Marquette site called Paint Touches. Mm-hmm. You know, that tells you how important tells that, you everything that, you need to know. that philosophy is to him that some guy started what is a really good Marquette basketball site and called it Paint Touches. I mean, Paint Touches to Buzz Williams is like lunch pail to Bud Foster. It is. I think that's fair, I mean, yeah. Buzz has, Buzz has talked about how, you know, he has the, the shots for Virginia Tech's offense are labeled into perfect, good, Average, average and, and right been bad, bad basically. basically yeah you can't have a perfect shot no matter what it is no matter if you make it no matter if it's wide open unless you go into the paint first right the ball has to get to the paint first before you shoot it in order for it to be uh qualified as a perfect shot you, for them you know sometimes you see a tech player pass up an open three-pointer and a lot of times he does that because the ball hasn't touched the paint exactly yet. you're technically not allowed to shoot in Buzz's offense, before the, yeah, yeah, you see some guys do it every now and then, and you know it's really hard to beat UVA. I, I think when you're Virginia Tech, you don't get you don't get that many open looks against UVA anyway. So do, do you pass up an average to good shot with 12 seconds left on the shot clock to look for a perfect shot? Because guess what, you probably are probably not going to get a perfect get shot against UVA. So <laughs> yeah. you've got to be you got to be a really good decision maker on what shots to take uh, because sometimes. It's better to take an average to good shot against UVA than to wait for a better shot because chances are you're not going to get that better shot. The the emotional swings probably for Virginia Tech fans at the end of this game were a little too much, and it seems like Virginia Tech athletics always seems to have those emotional swings in, in any big game that they play. And Tech was up by four with a little over a minute to go. Um, Ty Jerome hits the shot. KJ misses a three. Um, Chris Clark gets an offensive rebound. J-Rob misses the front end of the one-and-one. And then Jerome ties it to head into overtime. And I know when I was watching that game, I felt like this game's done. Tech just 
I mean, to not use the word that will you don't like, Tech choked this one away. They had a four a two possession lead with about a minute left, and now they're going to OT at at JPJ against a team that plays incredible defense. I I didn't think they were going to win that game at that point. I I certainly would have put the odds at twenty percent maybe. Yeah, you know, it max. just it just it, it, things ebb and flow, and they weren't going Tech's way and. You know, if, if, if you want to throw the word choke around, Devin Hall missing two free throws in a row at the end of overtime. Yeah. A 93% free yeah. throw shooter, by the way. So he, he made his first in that game, and at that point he was 58 of 62 on the season. And then he misses two in a row. Now I always tell people when I look at sports, I, I enjoy finding the statistical oddities. Yeah. That is a statistical oddity. That is. That yeah. is a st- statistical oddity. You know, and both teams had their best free throw shooters. Well, Tech didn't have bibs at the line, but they had Robinson, who's a 77% free throw shooter. And I think Robinson's a a better free throw shooter at the end of the game. Right. Agreed. Uh, I I think maybe his percentage would be higher, too, if he wasn't playing almost 40 minutes a game. Yeah, he gets (laughs) higher. That's true. Yeah, uh, you know, and Blackshear's a 74% free throw shooter. It's hard to find a better big man at free throws than Blackshear, and they both missed critical free throws for Virginia Tech that I thought might cost Virginia Tech the game. Turns out it was Devin Hall's free throws that cost UVA the game. I I was really scared when Blackshear missed that free throw, and UVA came down with a rebound, you know, with 5.8 seconds left. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, man, they've got time to get the ball into the paint. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So when Five, he, six seconds so when, is a lot of time. So when he pulled up with, a, you know, two or three seconds left from 30 feet away, I'm like, man, that's just not good shot selection. <laughs> but I, I'm still thinking, oh, man. This By the is- way, did you look who met him and hassled him a little bit on that shot? No. Carrie, Carrie Blackshear, Blackshear did. did. Carrie Blackshear was waiting on him. And he, he of course, you don't want to get close enough that you're going to foul. But he, yeah, he definitely, been I, I think Ty Jerome noticed him, and I yeah. think it affected him. Yeah. How about that three that Nikhil hit? Tech is down <sighs> four with, with 29 seconds left, and Nikhil hits a cold-blooded pump three. And just and just drills and, and it, and, and, it. Yeah. and puts and Tech it. right back so, in the game. Right, and so Tech, uh, Tech was that, that was they were down four at that point. Yeah, and that but, cut that under cut the lead to one. Seconds. Right, and then and then Devin Hall missed the front end yeah. of the one and one. I was actually surprised when Justin Robinson's layup didn't go in. He got a good look at that. Yeah. So at first when it didn't go in, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, fortunately, it worked out. Uh, as far as that uh, Alexander Walker three pointer goes, you know, one UVA player left his feet. And the other just fell down. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I, I so so it was two of them there in front of him, and his little fake. He still just, just drilled just, it. Yeah, he, just, he just, parted the seas with that he, fake. That, that's exactly that's the exact way to describe it. One one other little thing I noticed during the game, and I'm sorry that I don't remember the exact situation and the exact score. I think it was overtime, and Tech was uh, down, and you know, probably two or three points, and they and they buzz called timeout. And Buzz was setting up a play in the huddle. Mm-hmm. And the ESPN camera was up in the air a little bit looking down on the huddle. And uh, Buzz is diagramming the play, and the players are sitting there. And I saw Chris Clark reach out to fist bump Justin Bibbs. Mm-hmm. And Bibbs slapped him on the hand like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. And I thought to myself, they're going to Bibbs. Mm-hmm. And if you watch the sequence they absolutely do come in and they set bibs up for a three-pointer that uva defended right so he passed it up two or three more passes and bibs takes a deep contested three that doesn't go in mm-hmm. but uh you know it's not like anybody's going to be able to it's not like uva's got a guy who's 
watching the broadcast is going to say, hey, Chris Clark just fist bumped Justin Bibbs and going to Bibbs. Yeah, yeah. That's actually, I don't think most people would notice that. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I certainly did not notice it. Um, Will, in your Monday thoughts, you talked about how this was a landmark win for the program. Yeah. It kind of kind of expand on that and how you how you think that that's that's how you think that this was a landmark win. There are wins that Virginia Tech basketball fans talk about, and uh, you know the the NIT championships are the obvious ones. Um, they beat Memphis State in I think nineteen eighty or eighty one when Memphis State was number one. They beat them again in eighty three when they were going to ascend to the number one ranking. It, it may have even been on a Monday night where. Um, uh, no, that was on a Saturday. Carolina had lost during the week. They were number one. Memphis State was number two. And they were going to be number one on Monday. And then Tech beat them. And that's, that's one of the more famous wins in Castle. Um, beating Carolina 94-88 to 88 when they were number one. In, and a game uh, that was not that close. Yeah, Tech was way out in front in that thing. And then going to Duke. I forgot to mention this one, going to Duke, where uh, Duran jumped over Paulus. Going to Carolina. And then going to Carolina and winning in overtime. All the, and all those three were in the same year. Yeah. So so, And then, of course, beating Duke in 2011 when ESPN Game Day was in town. Yeah. These are all things that people talk about. Yeah. And I think you can definitely take this game and slot it right there. People will talk about this game. I'll, I'll say that that 2011 game, when Game Day was here, that's kind of like the 2003 Miami game for me. Great moment in time. <laughs> meant nothing because we didn't make the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and that then was, in course in two thousand three football right. tech faltered down the stretch and right yeah you know and, and those those wins in the eighties you know they meant something tech went to the NCAA tournament back then in, in the eighties when, when it was harder to go exactly and and they meant something in two thousand seven because it, it, tech was so good that year they had a lot of quality wins like that and they ended up getting a five seed in in, in the tournament but you know that end of that two thousand eleven se- two thousand eleven season you beat Duke. Dick Vitell's got the microphone saying, they can't take it away from you, Seth Greenberg. You were in the NCAA tournament, and, and, then, and then you lose to Boston College. And, 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 and then they take it away from you. Right. And now. then they take it away. Well, you, you, you gave it's it away. Tech only had one top 50 win that year, right, as it turned out. Yeah. And, and that was, the, the that was in that Duke game. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about that Boston College loss is it was just a few days later in Castle yeah. And everybody says, that was a terrible Boston College team. No, they weren't terrible. They, they won 17 they or 18 good. games. Yeah. yeah, and I think when they when they beat Tech, that may have even been their 18th win. Mm. But Tech got down on that thing, like, uh, I think it was 32 to 14 yeah, or yeah. something like yeah. that. I mean, they didn't even ugly. show up, yeah. you know. And uh, So now that segues into the discussion of what happens next for this year's Virginia Tech basketball team. But yeah, that's exactly right. So that win can either be, you know, like those wins in 2007 – uh, where, you, you know, you use them as a springboard. You use it as a springboard to go on to bigger things, to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Or it's like that 2011 game. A great moment in time that everybody will remember, but in the grand, it, scheme, in the of grand scheme of things, nothing. it meant nothing. I mean, Seth Greenberg was out of a job almost, you know, just slightly a little over a year later after that great yeah. moment in time. So it, it absolutely meant nothing. So, and, and that uh, that 1986 win over Memphis State, uh, that that's – I was looking at that. That's one of the weirdest scheduling quirks I have ever seen. Tech played played Memphis State twice in a week in five days, right? <laughs> well, the, it was Louisville is, in five days. Really well, you said well, when they, I read, you said in your article that Memphis State had hammered Tech by like twenty five days earlier. So they played they played each other twice in five days, and then 
And then they played and Louisville. And there twice may in have days. even been a game in between there because I right. remember it was a five game stretch where they played Memphis State, somebody else, Memphis State. Then they played Louisville, and then they played Louisville again right. five days later. Right. So, you know, back then the Metro was Memphis State and Louisville and everybody else. Yeah. So Virginia Tech, you know, was supposed to have a really good team that year, and they did. At one point they were 18 and four. And they had this quirk where they played the top team and the top t- top two teams in the conference four times in about a week and a half. It'd be months. like playing UVA and, and Duke it, it, four times yeah. in a week and a half. So not yeah. just playing UVA Saturday and Duke Wednesday, but then doing it again, again. playing UVA Saturday and Duke Wednesday. <laughs> Weird. Yep. So Chris, on Monday you wrote uh, a really good piece about um, how Tech's tournament resume is being judged at this point, and how the NCAA is um, still using the RPI to, to determine teams' resumes, but the they have really kind of changed what they're doing, and they're breaking things down into quadrants, and they are starting to look at some of those other metrics in terms of the Sagarin ratings and the Ken Palm rankings. Um, can you guys just kind of briefly explain, for, for those people that aren't familiar with it, how exactly this quadrant system is working and how it differs from the old system? So I'll, I'll, I'll address that. Um, so you're used to, if you follow this stuff, and we've been on the bubble enough that you're yeah, <laughs> pretty darn familiar with it by now. Yeah. Uh, they used to look at how many top 25 RPI wins do you have? How many top 50 RPI wins mm-hmm. do you have? How many top 100 RPI wins do you have? What's your record against top 100? How many losses do you have between 100 and 200? And how many losses do you have 200 plus? Mm-hmm. That's that's it, that classic definition of a bad loss. What was missing from that was there was no regard for if the game was at home or on the road. Right. So the quadrant system takes home, neutral, and away games into consideration. So the first quadrant, and Chris can correct me if I get it, don't get it exactly right. The first quadrant, which is good wins and good losses, is a uh, top 25 RPI team at top home. Top 30. Top top 30 mm-hmm. RPI team at home, a top 50 RPI team on the oh, on a neutral court, and a top 75 RPI team on the road. Right. And the, the coaches love it. The article I read, the, the coaches love it because it does, particularly the mid-major coaches like it because they have to play so many games on the road. Right. You know, um, those mid-majors really know how to game the RPI and make themselves look better, but this even helps them. And I remember in, in – and we can get back to the discussion here in a second, but as, as I was reading the article, I thought to myself, that's going to make decent mid-majors more likely to want to come to Castle and play Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech. Right. Um, you want to think. So if, if that's the issue that teams don't want to come to Castle, if that's why Tech's home schedule is so bad every year and it's not a money thing, maybe that'll help. But anyway, back to the discussion. Um Tech comes out looking pretty good in this quadrant system, and I really like the quadrant system. I think that's a good move, and it's it's a thing that they're really looking at. Right, and uh, I'll go into a little bit. Well, of, well, let me round it out first. Okay. Then there's a Q2, Q3, and then a Q4 that yeah. are all kind of structured the same way. Right, yeah. And, I'll, you know, what is considered a quality win now and what used to be considered a quality win is a little bit different. Like, for example, NC State might go to the NCAA tournament and they're a quadrant two win for Virginia Tech, whereas Notre Dame right now is a quadrant, or as of yesterday, is a not, quadrant is one. a quadrant win. one. But even though they're not going to the NCAA tournament, no chance to go to the NCAA tournament because they're a top 75 team and Tech played them on the road. Yeah. Well, NC State is a top 75 team too, but the Hokies beat them at home. 
So that's that makes that, a huge difference. Exactly, exactly. So, so, so that Notre Dame game, you, I think they're last I looked, they were number seven in the RPI. Under the old system, that's not a top twenty-five or top fifty win. That means nothing, really. In the new system, right. like you said, it's a it's a Q one win. Right. That that's pretty cool. It's a big deal. Yep. So in the in the two quadrants that mean the most in terms of your record in those quadrants, that'd be quadrant one and quadrant two. Virginia Tech is four and five in mm-hmm. quadrant one games with wins over Virginia, North Carolina, Washington, which I don't think anybody expected to be yep. a super quality win coming into the year in Notre Dame, mm-hmm. as you mentioned. In quadrant two games, they are four and one. Yeah. With uh, as of yesterday, with wins over NC State, Boston College, Ole Miss, and Wake Forest. Um, and then also what I liked about the, the you, you you basically screenshotted the team sheet for Virginia Tech, which also has those advanced ratings on there, which looks yeah. like they're taking those into account. So j- just so everybody, yeah, just so everybody knows what those ratings are. So traditionally in the RPI, they're fifty sixth as of yesterday. Uh, they're as of Monday of this week. They're 28th in the BPI, which is ESPN's metric. They are 39th in the Ken Palm rankings and 36th in the Sagarin ratings. Um, how do you think Virginia Tech's resume stands after this win over UVA? Well, it's not a lock. It's, just, oh, it's, it's, it's not it's, a lock. It's, it's, yet, not, it's not a lock. And the thing is, they're no, safe for now. Well, I mean, if the season ended tomorrow, they would yeah. definitely be in. Yeah. Um, they can still play them, play their ways, play their way out of the tournament. Yes. I would say uh, Seth and, Greenberg is all too familiar with this tournament. And here's the thing: <laughs> I, I like the new system better. I like the quadrant thing a lot. I love the fact that they're actually including those other rankings now because Tech is always ranked higher in every single computer poll than they than they are the RPI. Yeah. Never. Fails. Now, now let's be clear: they're still putting their main emphasis yes. on the RPI. Right, but but at but least they're starting to consider. They it are seems, they, those advanced those other advanced systems. I can tell by looking at like Lunardi's bracketology that he is well that the committee is is using those those other metrics because you know Lunardi has sources on the committee and when you look at some of the other bubble teams that are out right now you know I think like Saint Bonaventure has three quadrant one wins I think they're three and two against quadrant uh, one teams and their RPI is much higher than Tech's. But they're not in the tournament right now because their their ranking is like in the fifties and sixties, maybe even the seventies in the Ken Palm and, and the BPI and the KPI and, and, and all of that. So I, I the, to me that's evidence that the, that the committee is going to use those other metrics this year. Uh, they they don't use them in the quadrant in the quadrants per se, but it is they but are they right are there on Virginia Tech's team. Yeah, it's a tiebreaker. Yeah, yeah. Virginia Tech has six games left to see in the regular season. That's it, which is kind of crazy to think. And obviously, they'll see at least one more team in the in the ACC tournament um, at Duke, which obviously is, is Wednesday, which will be tomorrow night. Recording this on Tuesday um, at Georgia Tech, Clemson at home, Louisville at home, Duke at home, and then at uh, Miami to finish the season. Um, are there any games in here? That Tech has to win, and what do you think really Tech's record needs to be in these final six games to basically for for Tech to feel pretty comfortable about Selection Sunday? Well, you don't want to go one and five. <laughs> yes, um, I think that that would be almost then you finish, almost eight, then you finish eight and ten, and you're not in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a half to win would probably be on the road at Georgia Tech. Um, yeah, it seems because they're not their Josh Passner's uh, squad is. 
not particularly great this year. Yeah. But it wouldn't be a bad loss because of the quadrant thing this year. It'd be on the road. I'm not sure. Well, there exactly. really there isn't a bad loss left on the on the schedule. Yeah, you, you just don't yeah. want to lose five or six. Out Basically, of at this point, it seems like all of your games are going to be quadrant one or quadrant two games. You're not. Yeah, yeah you don't have any three or four games left. So uh, this isn't exactly answering the question, but one one thing I do want to get out there is that I think there's this. I've seen comments on the message board of, about Clemson. Yeah, yeah, you know, be, we'll, we'll be Clemson at home. Not so fast <laughs> they're there, man. They're a top man. 15 team now. They're second yeah, turn to the eight people. Yeah, they're, they're, that's a darn good basketball and, and, team. And they're, they're missing one of their best players in Dante Grantham. Uh, apparently, they're not missing him. Yeah, <laughs> it seems like they're fine. <laughs> he's, he's out, but they're not missing him, Bob. Um, that, that's an office <laughs> office space reference. Um Two and two and four, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a little sketchy. You, you, it, want, you it, want to try to find three. It's definitely a gauntlet going down the stretch. I mean, even though you have three straight games at home, um, all three of those teams are tournament teams, and all three of them are extremely good. And one of them is a top five team almost at Duke. I, I feel one hundred. And you got to play that team twice. Feel one hundred percent safe if Virginia Tech gets to twenty one overall wins and ten ACC wins in the regular season. Which so, would be so three they and need three. to go three and three. Feel one hundred one hundred percent safe. Oh, I so. now if they go two and four, you th- you think there's still a chance that they get in? Yeah. But it's oh, it's yeah. not. Yeah. But a lot of at that point, it might depend on who those two wins are against. It could, at that point, and yeah. it might depend on, you know, does Notre Dame stay in the top 75 so they count yeah. as a quadrant one win? Yeah. Does Washington stay in the top 50 <laughs> so they still count as a quadrant one win? Yeah. I mean, this isn't over. Yeah. Um, when In 2011, when Virginia Tech beat Florida State in the ACC tournament, that knocked Florida State out of the top 50. So, and Virginia Tech had beaten Florida State during the, the regular season. So basically, by beating Florida State in the they ACC, they hurt their resume. They knocked them out of the top fifty, and they went from two to, two top fifty wins to one. <laughs> Meanwhile, Florida State still makes the NCAA tournament, isn't at large. So, is it a quality win because they're in the NCAA tournament, isn't at large? Because they're not listed as a top fifty win anymore because they're not in the top fifty. That that's why that system was yeah. just so awful. Yeah, and well, I don't know why it's taken them that long, this long. To figure out that it was terrible. Well, in your Monday thoughts, you you had a, a a heading on your on your article that basically said, "Tech is in the NCAA tournament," and then directly below it, you said, "Don't believe that nonsense. Don't believe Not. that garbage. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to finish." So, uh, I, I think the the road game at Georgia Tech is almost a must win. Um, I think the Hokies will steal something somewhere along the way. Maybe that road game in Miami. Maybe one of these games over Duke. Um, I don't have high hopes for a, you know, they, they just played UVA. They're getting ready to play Duke. I don't have high hopes for a second monumental win in a row. That's yeah. just very difficult for a team on Virginia Tech's level. But that being said, Marvin Bagley, who is really the biggest matchup nightmare, it seems, uh, to, at least to me, for Virginia Tech, uh, Duke's star center, who's going to be a top three draft pick in the NBA draft this summer, um, he is questionable, I guess, is the probably the best word to play with a knee injury. He did not play in their last game, I believe, versus Georgia Tech. Yeah, and, and we they have not released any update yeah. on him since then. So we, so we really don't know. And even if he does play, he might not be 100%. Right. But if he plays, chances are he's pretty he's pretty good to go, and that could, that'll definitely make things tougher for Virginia Tech. Oh, uh, yeah, that would make things tougher for anybody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not unprecedented for Virginia Tech to have – a huge week because back in 2007 we've talked about this game earlier today 
Saturday, they win at Duke. The next Saturday, they beat number one UNC at home. And those were back-to-back ACC games. They actually played UNC Greensboro in the middle of those two games, I believe. So it's not unpre- unprecedented for Virginia Tech to have a monumental week. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to see it happening, but it is, it's, it's possible. It's happened before. Yeah, and we'll, you know, we'll see if Virginia Tech is able to keep up kind of the, the defensive hot streak that they've been on. It seems like their defense has been much improved over the last couple games, and we've talked about that on the last couple episodes of the podcast. They get Duke. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, I believe it's at 7 p.m., correct, on uh, ESPN? ESPN2. ESPN2, okay. It's part of uh, ESPN's crossover where they're bringing in NBA announcers to, to cover college games, oh. and they're bringing in <laughs> college announcers to cover it. So hold on. So I, I saw on Twitter, so I, I, I can't you know speak this as gospel. Um, there's going to be Hubie Brown and Jay Billis on Tech's Duke game. Oh, okay, so it's not so, two NBA announcers coming yeah, in. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, so, okay. so it's going to be Mark Jones, who is an NBA play-by-play. Right. Jay Billis is apparently also going to be at this game. And Hubie Brown, who is an NBA announcer, who I absolutely love. Hubie Brown is terrific. All right. They're bringing him in. All right, well, I'll well, take Jay Billis. He seems to be good luck for Texas. Yeah, he's so. been a good luck charm so far. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Buzz told a story about meeting Hubie Brown, so that was probably, you know, uh, Billis told a story about uh, – uh, Buzz meeting Hubie Brown recently, mm-hmm. so that may have been prepping for that. Possibly, yeah, yeah, that could be true. All right, let's go ahead and move past Virginia Tech basketball. Obviously, that that Duke game, if they if Tech is able to win that game, that'll be a big uh, big boost to the resume. Before we wrap up the podcast, I do want to hit on these uh, two commitments that Virginia Tech uh, football has gotten over the past week uh, in their class of 2019. Remember, 2018 is done out the window. 2019 is now the primary focus for Virginia Tech. Um, if you haven't seen the 2019 target board on techsideline.com, go look at it now. It's linked to the top of the recruiting board. It's on the recruiting menu. You can find it in several places on the website. I tr- Trust me, it's there. Uh, Virginia Tech gets two commitments. Um, the first one, I was actually at this kid's commitment c- yep. ceremony in Lord Botetourt High School. Is that your out- first commitment ceremony you've been to? Yes. Yes, it is. I've been to yes. one commitment ceremony in my entire life. It was Tyrod, right? It was Tyrod. Well, you, well, you you also went to um to Cole Beck's commitment, which that, wasn't a ceremony. Right. It was a game, but you were yeah, there. I was there. When I was committed. in the mosh pit when he committed. <laughs> it was yeah. a mosh pit. Uh, so yes, Virginia Tech gets Jesse Hansen, who is a six foot four, two hundred ninety pound offensive lineman from just outside Roanoke, a little bit to the northeast, if I remember correctly, is where Laura Botetourt is. Um. Some of his Power 5 offers, North Carolina, Virginia, Duke, and West Virginia had a couple other smaller offers as well. Um, Kid grew up a Clemson fan because uh, his are, parents are Clemson graduates. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Tech is able to pull this kid in pretty early in the process. Um, th- initial thoughts on, on Hanson? I think Virginia Tech is set up to have a successful offensive line recruiting class. It uh, certainly seems that way yeah. with the offers on the board. Yeah, I mean, you look at Hanson, and I think Rivals rates him the number 13 offensive guard in the country and the number 8 player in the state. Uh, he's a very physical player. The guy likes to finish blocks. He plays mean. He's a, he's a big baby face guy. Well, you know, it, but, but he play he doesn't play like a baby yeah, face Yeah, well, you know, it's man. funny that you mentioned that. He, he, he was talking to me about how he really likes Vice, and, um, and he was talking to me about how 
uh, Vice is able to uh, to joke around a little bit, but also able to piss you off. And and his dad was telling me how Jesse likes to play for an intimidating coach uh-huh. because he likes to have that coach that's able to piss him off a little bit to to get him kind of riled up. And you can see it hey. see it in his film. Oh yeah, I mean I think you want your offensive lineman to be riled. Oh yeah, they uh, have to have a, a, that mean streak. You gotta be a nasty. Bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things I like about Hanson is uh, I don't watch a lot of recruiting film, but I watched his and it's sixteen minutes long. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not a lot of dead time in there. It's yeah. him pancaking people one right after another. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's got the baby face, but uh, he, he hasn't played like that so far. I think so. he had around, around like 100 pancakes last year Ooh. or something Ooh. like that. Man. It's, yeah. So Just I'm, racking them up. <laughs> yeah. He, he's one of those guys that Monday you go in for your film session, right? And you figure out who you're matched up with, who you're going to head to head with. With and on Monday you look at the tape and you figure out it's him. You're like, oh man, can we? I'm hurt this week, coach. I can't play. How, how does he rate on the Wyatt Teller scale of uh, offensive no, line he recruiting? He's not, I don't put him on the Wyatt Teller. You know, he's not up if there. If Wyatt Teller's a ten, you know, he's about a seven. Okay, it's 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 a. Uh, Still a fan, but he's but he's not as nobody. If if anybody gets close to touching Wyatt Teller, as far as how I felt about his tape, then <laughs> man, sign that guy up. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. just hardly now, anybody know, like that. Having said that, he's from a relatively small school, you know, and there's there's always the issue of taking that next step up. Right? Yeah, he's he's got good size. He apparently loves to play the game with a little bit of an edge. So that'll benefit him. So we'll yeah. just see where it goes. Now, to me, it's the fact that he is one of Virginia Tech's top targets. You know, they would yeah, not be taking a commitment from a guy this in early. February, yeah. you know, a year before signing day if they didn't really, really like the guy. Yeah. So, yeah, it, to me, it's just it's a sign that they're really out in front on offensive line recruiting this year. And I, Tech fans will like to hear that. Yes, well, and, yes, and, they, and they will. They got some good guys last year, you know, Culver and uh, oh, Harris. And, and, you know, so this is this is trending in the right direction. It really is. It is. And we'll, we'll have to see how Virginia Tech is able to, to finish up on the offensive line. Still, obviously, plenty of time left in this class. They obviously picked up another commitment as well. Mike Samer still, who is kind of an athlete. He's uh, considered whether it be a defensive back, possibly – a slot wide receiver. He's five foot ten, one hundred seventy five, from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris, go ahead and trivia. Last time Virginia Tech I, got a recruit from Massachusetts is. I've not gone through our database and looked this up, but I'm about ninety five percent certain that it was Jim Pine in nineteen ninety. Would that have been the nineteen ninety recruiting class? If he came in and started as a true freshman, ninety, ninety one, ninety two, ninety three. Yeah, right? so it would have been the nineteen ninety. Yep. Ninety three was a right. senior, and then he so, was the top. He was an all American top center in the country in in nineteen ninety three. All right, T S Ellers. So if Chris is wrong, you need to reach out right. to us either and, on and, the message boards or on Twitter and let us know if there is indeed another one from from Massachusetts. But and Virginia Tech doesn't recruit up there often. Well, and Jim Pine was a big time recruit for Virginia Tech. I mean, if memory serves, Tech beat out Michigan for him uh, all the way up in Massachusetts, which was you know. That was a big deal. I mean, yeah. Tech ended up in that 1990 recruiting class also signing Maurice DeShazo, right? Or was that the 89 class? No, that would have been the 1990 class. Maurice, that was 1990 because Maurice yeah. was redshirting when, when yes. Tech uh, beat UVA right. in 1990 because I remember the, there were pictures taken of Maurice hanging on the goalposts after yeah, the game. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that, was a, that was a big deal, uh, signing Jim Pine. Now we'll see if this turns out to be as big a deal. Yeah. But, but it's a sign that Virginia Tech, you know, they continue to go – out of state to find talent. The, the, and it's, the, and it's, the net not, is continuing to be expanded and expanded. Right, right. And it's not because they you know dislike in-state kids. Is that they want to give themselves as many options as possible to to bring in talent. And so you're you're going to see it continue to, to trend in the direction of out of state. I mean, it, it used to be where 
almost every single class, over 50% of Virginia Tech's signees came from the state of Virginia. I would not be surprised at all if by the end of Justin Fuente's tenure at Tech, he didn't sign a single class where over half the half the players came oh, yeah. from. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it would surprise yeah. anyone. So to put the Sainer still in context, um, I, I went and looked on 24-7, and uh, when you go to the Massachusetts State rankings, there are only four players that, that, <laughs> that, that are listed. Uh, yes, it's early. We're a year away from. Yeah, there's still going to be a lot of kids evaluated. But they have 28 or 29 kids in their in their Virginia rankings, right. so that gives you some perspective. And Sainer still has a teammate, Lewis Kine. I think his last name is C I N E, who is currently rated the number 36 player in the country for the class of 2019. He's a safety. He's something like 6'2", 180. Tech is recruiting him. Before you get all excited, they've got nine crystal balls on 24-7, and they're all going to Penn State. And you, you know how Penn State is in the Northeast. Yeah. So, um, you know, maybe Tech feels they, they have an in there. Uh, you know, we'll see. But that, that, that'd be a tall mountain well, to climb. Well, it, it certainly doesn't feel like that they took Mike Samberstill just for that uh, prospect alone. Because if you, look at, if you look at Samberstill's offer list, it's pretty competitive. Yeah, Austin and I, I didn't mean to imply yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, And that's actually yeah. really dumb recruiting. Yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, Boston College, Michigan, uh, North Carolina, Ole Miss, and Wisconsin are all on Samersteel's offer list, and it's still really in the process. So he's obviously being sought after by more Power 5 schools, and this goes back to the general theme that we've been talking about, and maybe we'll have to spend a whole podcast on this over the summer about how Virginia Tech's recruiting more and more of these three-star kids – that have more and more Power Five offers. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I think in this day and age, you know, we say this all the time. We talk about recruiting. There's just so there's no sleepers anymore. Hardly any sleepers. You, all these kids get noticed at camps. Uh, the only sleepers out there are guys that don't go to camps or change positions as a senior and don't play their their natural yeah. position until they're a senior. You know, a guy like Damon Hazelton maybe. Uh, but for the most part these days, you got to beat out other schools for top players. I mean, it's it's no different than than running a company. I mean, the, the more success you're going to have a more successful company than your competition if you have the better employees. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Totally Ta- talent acquisition. Talent acquisition is what recruiting could be referred to these days. Will, do you need better employees at TSO? <laughs> <laughs> Put you on the spot. Yeah, there, he's, he's trying to get some five star guys in here. Well, we, we, we have more of them than anybody else, that's for sure. <laughs> and that's a, that's and, a and that raises your recruiting ranking when you have more than anybody else. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is true. This is true. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this podcast. Remember, Virginia Tech plays Duke Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on ESPN2. Will, should people make alternate plans for this game, or should they go ahead and watch this one? Virginia Tech doesn't have a chance. <laughs> there's, Re- reverse mojo. there's some more reverse mojo. But, again, that's all the time we have for this one. For Will Stewart, for Chris Coleman, I'm Rick of the Blue. Thanks for listening.